670 KBOI on Alexa. First say, Alexa, enable the 670 KBOI skill. Then when you want to listen, say, Alexa, open 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. And we get underway with the show this morning uh, on the hop, basically. Uh, Congressman Russ Fulcher is with us very early in the morning. Well, early in the morning for us, anyway, uh, I believe. Are you in Washington, D.C., or are you uh, here at home? Hey, actually, I'm in Idaho this week, and it's been uh, just a great change-up to be home for a few days. So it's early for you, too, although you're probably living on Washington, D.C. time since you're there most of the time anyway. Yeah, it's uh, actually uh, mornings are uh, a great time for me, so I'm glad to be with you. Uh, let's uh, start things off. Uh, maybe some of the biggest news uh, surrounding you this week. Um, you have signed on to co-sponsor a bill that seeks to eliminate a federal tax on firearms and ammunition, which, you know, when you hear about eliminating taxes, um, you know, most of us, especially conservatives, think, hey, that's a great thing. Um, however, you are receiving some pushback uh, on this. Why don't you tell us uh, a little bit uh, about the bill? Well, I think... Part of it is uh, self-inflicted because I I went on uh, KBOI. I think it was uh, about the 2nd of July. It was with uh, Jim Smith. Jim was filling in for Nate Shellman, and and, uh, and he asked me about that. And, and this is something I've got a, a real skill set for periodically. I was a bonehead because I, got, I had two different bills confused in my <laughs> mind when he was talking about that. And uh, anyway, I got the I got the funding mechanism incorrect when I was telling him about that because what happens is is uh, the way things are set up right now. There is a uh, law in the books called uh, Pittman Robertson, and the Pittman Robertson Act is funded by excise tax from gun sales. And I got that funding mechanism wrong, but the, the reality is it's it's funded by uh, gun sales. Uh, and so the monies from that is used for hunter education and uh, conservation projects and those types of things. Well, and that's what I didn't correctly identify. So I'm correcting that right now. Uh, so this bill removes that excise tax. So some people got concerned, well, wait a minute, if you remove that excise tax, then uh, where, where do we get the funding for the hunter education and conservation projects. Well, here's the unknown part about that, or at least it's not known really yet. And that is, uh, there's a, there is a a bill that uh, a Democrat from Virginia, I believe is Congressman Bayer has put out that frankly has got a lot of traction that we're having to deal with that would put a 1000% excise tax on anything semi-automatic, so semi-automatic pistols, rifles, whatever, which, I mean, let's face it, I mean, the objective there is to stop those sales, and and frankly, there's traction coming up with that. So uh, that in and of itself would eliminate the excise tax because there wouldn't be any. There wouldn't be any sales or very, very few sales if if that's the case. So that funding mechanism is at risk. And so what this bill does is this is, hey, how about if we – do not do this thousand percent excise tax because I, for one, don't want to see a penalty on gun owners and basically squelch off uh, that for legal uh, gun owners. And let's do the funding mechanism 
through the energy sector. So make that a percentage of of um, uh, energy uh, production. That way you support the energy sector at the same time. So it gets a little bit complicated, but the uh, the idea here is to say, no, uh, we do not want the 1,000% excise tax. We're going to say no to that, and we're going to tie the funding mechanism for conservation and hunter education program to the energy sector. And, oh, by the way, we need to get the energy thing uh, back on priority one because that's what's choking us off to death with so many other things, with gas prices and everything else. So I hope that makes a little bit more sense and gives me an opportunity to to correct where I was wrong here earlier in the week. In, in layman's terms, how much money would this save the average person when purchasing guns? Well, right now, the excise tax is 11%. Okay. And so if you purchase one now, it's 11%. But the proposal is to take that to 1,000. And, of course, we all know what the objective of that is. Uh, I, for one, don't think that that's reasonable or wanted by at least by most Idahoans. And so uh, 11% to 1,000. And that's really what prompted doing what we're attempting to do right now. The... uh Prime Minister of the UK, Boris Johnson, in just the last couple of hours has resigned. Is that going to have much of an impact on uh, the U.S.? You know, I may. I, I, um, you know, they're arguably our closest ally when it comes to most things. And so much of the time, uh, what, uh, what, the, what the U.S. recommends, the, the U.K. kind of follows, and, and vice versa with some of these policy issues, they're kind of the the point person that we have leveraged with for policy in Western Europe a lot of the time. And, uh, and there was a very strong relationship with Johnson and uh, uh, President Trump prior to that. And as far as I knew, there was a good relationship with uh, the Biden administration. So anytime you take a major world leader and you, you shift them out, you're not exactly sure what's going to happen. I mean, let's face it, there was a big impact on a lot of other countries when we changed administrations uh, in 2020. And so I think that it's only reasonable to say, depending on on who takes his place and what their policies are, uh, we could see a significant impact here, yes? Uh, I want to go to uh, gas and oil prices that everybody seem, you know, it, rightfully so, seems to be concerned with. Um, yesterday there was a story out that the uh, U.S. had used five million of their emergency oil reserves and send it across the seas, China, Europe, uh, India. Um, What, I mean, with gas prices where they're at here, why are we sending our emergency oil reserves to other countries? I heard the same story yesterday, reached out to to my crew and said, would you validate this? Because it's, it, this can't be true, can it? <laughs> and then, you know, we got to talking internally. And I said, you know, I, I, I so I don't know for sure, but uh, the, if the story appears to have legitimacy, and and you just can't make some of these things up. That brings into question, at least for me, as to what is what really is the motive of the administration? Are they do they really want to solve? this problem with gas prices. And I think that you can make a strong argument that, well, really, no, they they want to, there's at least some within that administration that I believe want the pain at the pump to be significant because they want to accelerate a shift to sources or to um, uh, sectors that they think are more efficient for the long term. 
They want to force a transition to electric cars. They want to force a transition away from fossil fuels and 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 back have have not thought through the real ramifications of that. And uh, and so I'm not going to be surprised if we learn that to be true, because I do believe that's part of the motivation. I want to come to the president himself. Uh, there's another factor, and and uh, we've talked about this before, but I I also seriously have concerns about just the overall capacity that he has right now. And that's not just trying to be sarcastic. I, I do believe he's struggling with his uh, capacity to make decisions. And, and this could be another example of just not fully understanding what he's doing or how the administration is, is acting on this issue. Uh, housing obviously has has gone way up along with most other things. In some cities, uh, rent has gone up more than 40% in the past year. Is that something Congress can do anything about? Well, if the, if the discussion point is rent control, I, I technically, yes, they could do something about it. Uh, but then you get yourself into uh, uh, the government making significant interruptions in any kind of market activity, which I, I don't think is a good idea for, for us. That's a, that's a socialistic move to, to have government rent control. Now there is uh, government subsidized housing. We go, we all know we've got some of that in our neighborhoods. That's a different discussion. And, and uh, uh, in a place like Boise where you've got such ex- expansive growth and increase in home prices at the same time, you have to at least consider some of those types of, of things. But overall, rent control, I would not support. Um, you know, I was talking with some some developers and uh, uh, commercial uh, brokers just yesterday. And uh, the, the demand in Boise, the demand in Idaho in general, appears to be so pent up, even with the uh, influx in interest rates, even with the increase in prices, the market remains pretty strong. And there, there's the, the residential may have, have softened just a little bit because it has to with these increased interest prices. But the commercial component, the development component is still, uh, you know, like it's been for the last couple of years. It's been pretty hot. So um, we live in a, in a very unique place in so far have been kind of insulated from some of that uh, negativity in the market. Congressman Russ Fulcher is uh, with us once again this morning. Need to take a break. You can stick with us for one more segment, can't you? That'd be great. Thank you. All right. We'll take a break here for traffic and weather. More with Congressman Russ Fulcher on the way right after this. Ben Shapiro this afternoon at 1. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 622, Congressman Russ Fulcher uh, with us live this morning. He's Chris Walton. I'm Mike Casper. And uh, Congressman, uh, I know we've talked a lot about this in the past, but uh, once again raised its uh, head this week here in Idaho. Uh, talking about election fraud, Mike Lindell, known as the My Pillow Guy, back at it again, suggestion, suggesting that there's been voter fraud in Idaho, even though um, we've had checks and rechecks before the primary and after the primary that most recently got held but he's holding to his uh assertion that there is election fraud going on in idaho uh your thoughts well when this was all 
a uh, uh, an issue right after the the sixth uh, of January. I remember interacting with some of the the county clerks in our state, and you know, on their on their checks and double checks, there there really didn't appear to be anything significant there. And then when when uh, um, I think the Secretary of State uh, Lawrence Denny did some follow up checking. He had some similar results as well. Now that said, I'll just share some personal experience with with this, just to to uh, point out uh, that there there are some things that we've got to be careful about. My office received after this last after that election, my office received a number of ballots from Idahoans that had been mailed to them at a previous address prior to when they moved to Idaho. So for example, if a, if a couple lived in California and then they moved to Idaho, uh, they received ballots from their California address as well as had the ability and, and uh, had completed voting in the state of Idaho as Idaho citizens. So now that is, at least in, in my view, I think that's could be considered fraud. And, but it had to do with other states, Rules. California has this mailing system where they don't have a, uh, the same type of checks and balance that, that Idaho does. You don't have to do the application for your for your ballot if you want to vote absentee. It just simply gets mailed out. They, they airdrop millions of ballots across their state, and so some of that filters over. So, was there technically was there some fraud? I know, yeah, I, I think there was, and there's an example of it, at least under that definition right there, but. Um, when, when you look at our system, the system within Idaho, there was at least the, from what I've seen, I think the, the everything checks checks out just fine. One other thing to, to note, though, and Idaho did fall into this, you may recall from the pandemic, we extended the window of time for which ballots could be ex, uh, accepted. And so it wasn't like a hard and fast line for a voting date. There was some flexibility on when ballots could be turned in and accepted, which is a deviation from what had been done or what we typically do. And so uh, that's I do think we need to have we've learned some lessons. We need to have a voting day, not a voting week, not a voting period. And, uh, and so some lessons learned there. But once again, we weren't unique. There's a lot of states who did the same thing. And uh, those are practices we got to learn from and, and make sure we, we do better the next time. Uh, the, uh, the White House has been calling for several billion dollars uh, from Congress to uh, research uh, COVID more. And it looks like Congress is not terribly keen on that. Why not? Well, I, frankly, I think that, that most of the members of Congress think they know where the source of that came from. Chris, and, uh, and there's been an awful lot of speculation, an awful lot of time and effort that's gone into that. Uh, there's just some of our colleagues and, frankly, some of the media don't, don't want to accept the answer. And so, uh, and also, there's another factor. There's been so many resources put into this. I've lost track of the trillions that we've appropriated through congressional channels to deal with this in some form or another. And uh, at least on the appropriation front, there's some COVID fatigue in the United States Congress over this, you know, and I think rightfully so. I mean, we, we have 
really tried everything. And um, uh, all of us, myself included, are trying to look in the rearview mirror and, and, and learn from, from all this. You know, chances are it's not going to be the last uh, pandemic that we have. And uh, did we handle it appropriately? I think the answer is, is going to be no. There's, uh, and it may have been with some of the best intentions, but uh, there's a lot of things that we can can do better. And you know, for one thing, you you just don't shut down an economy. I don't care what happens, you do not shut down an economy. And we we learned some hard lessons as a function of that. And so when it comes to questions about further appropriations, expect to see a lot more pushback uh, for those reasons. Congressman Russ Fulcher, uh, out of time here today. Thanks for taking a couple minutes uh, with us this morning. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Top of the morning to you. Have a great day. Appreciate you. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. Don't forget, uh, once again, uh, this morning, we'll have another chance for you. $50 gift certificate, absolutely free to Biscuit and Hogs, who we told you yesterday um, is expanding. Yeah. And they got, they're thinking about expanding as far as they can. Yeah. Um, they've got three locations on tap already. One of them is in uh, Utah, Ogden, Utah, and uh, that will be their test facility out of the state to find out if people like bacon in other states. <laughs> Well, you never know till you ask. <laughs> if people like pork, if they like brisket, they'll they'll, they'll find out. Uh, anyway, that's going to be the test. And I, when do, I say test, do, do people in Utah uh, eat breakfast? <laughs> yes. Um, uh, when I say test, because if it works well and shows that it works outside of the Treasure Valley, the uh, biscuit and hogs idea, um, then uh, Boomer is going to uh, start getting things ready to franchise. So it could be franchised across the nation. They also have two other locations uh, getting ready to open up uh, with plans to be opened up either later this year or into next year, depending on uh, how soon that they can get them built. But there's you another know, one in uh, North uh, Meridian, and then there'll be one in Caldwell. I like that they call it the biscuit and hogs idea, which is, of course, eat a large, tasty breakfast. <laughs> so we've got a $50 gift certificate to Biscuit and Hogs coming up here for you this morning that you can win with our Casper and Chris damn near impossible question in about 20 minutes. We'll give you a chance to work in on that. Uh, I also uh, want to remind you once again, tomorrow morning is our sweet deal where you can get a Biscuit and Hogs gift certificate for half price. That's right, 50% off. But this is one of our fastest selling sweet deals uh, of all time. Uh, one of the times it sold out in, in like under two minutes. So if you're not there at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning and say you check in at 9.05, 9.06, I'm going to say you're probably going to miss out. So whatever it takes, set your alarm, a reminder, and uh, be ready to go just before 9 o'clock. Click on KBOI.com and then click on the sweet deals link at KBOI.com and then be ready to purchase uh, your $50 gift certificate. It'll only cost you $25 tomorrow morning. Listen to KBOI online. Go to KBOI.com and click the Listen Live button. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Once again, phone lines are open as usual uh, to take part in the show, and it's very easy to do. All you have to do is pick up your phone, call us up, 
208-336-3700. If you have a Verizon wireless, just hit pound 670. You can also call toll-free 1-800-529-5264. And this is uh, phone lines open all during the show. Email chris at kboi.com, mike at kboi.com. You can send us an instant message through our fan page on Facebook if you would like. You can also text it. So many ways to get through. So many ways to listen to the show. Either AM 670 FM 93.1. You can listen uh, online, kboi.com, the iHeart app. You can listen there. Um, you can listen through Alexa, Google Play. Man, there simply is no excuse. Yeah, there, there, there really isn't. Uh, Josie uh, written in, has written into us. Uh, this is an email from yesterday that we didn't have a chance to get to after we had talked about that um, family in North Idaho that came home in Spirit Lake and uh, the uh, contractor no through, through miscommunication had taken off their roof. Uh, completely gone. And, and like I said, it was an accident. They were supposed to go to a different address and took off the roof from this company's or from this family's home and it, it's been a month now and still hasn't been replaced because everybody's saying well it's not it's not our our problem it's your problem it's their problem the insurance company you know the contractor said it's our insurance it's going to pay for it the insurance says no we don't pay for stuff that has to do um with a person not having a roof on and it's like you tore off our roof <laughs> anyway and i asked if you had had horrible contractor stories to share with us and Josie wrote one in and said we had a terrible contractor experience with our remodel we ended up firing the original contractor and replacing him with another contractor the original contractor then came on site and beat the new contractor with a metal pipe and then fled it was a complete mess with warrants out wow. for his arrest and injuries now when I heard when, when I read this yesterday um, my first question was did this happen in Idaho or New New Jersey and was this because this sounds like an episode of the Sopranos <laughs> a little bit <laughs> it's like oh I'm just gonna go beat the contractor and tell him never to come back again so they have to hire me there we go that's crazy Paul Paul Jay had a contractor uh, one time that was just doing some uh, painting and a few other things inside their house and he came home one day and, and the guy was in there he wasn't exactly working he um, had uh, some cassettes, and he uh, had Paul J's stereo on and was uh, copying most of his CD collection. Because <laughs> he figured, you know, why, oh why not? Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, worked with a guy at the previous radio station. He had hired a, a contractor to, uh, they had water damage on their floor in their their kitchen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they had a refrigerator leaked or something like that. So they had to rip up the floor and replace the floor and everything. And um, so the contractor had come in, ripped up the, all the floor, and had laid down, you know, new subflooring. And then all of a sudden hadn't shown up for like, a couple of weeks mm, and finally he called and, and uh said hey you know are, are you going to finish our floor and he said this was back in a time well i guess we're still at that time um where everybody all the contractors just had more business than they knew what to do with yeah and apparently he found another job that paid more and was a bigger job than his and he says look he goes i i'm not going to be able to get the back there for a long time so i'm going to tell you just to find somebody else and he goes well what about you've he'd already done about two or three thousand dollars worth of work and he goes just forget about it really yeah so he's like actually where can i get in on that deal? i know it's like i was upset because the flooring didn't get done but i couldn't be too upset because we made like three thousand dollars so the next guy we had to hire you know could do it you know, the rest of the job for much there cheaper but still kind of crazy kbi news time is 6 45 it's time for uh our first check on uh, sports this morning brought to you by fat guys fresh deli two locations for you in meridian and east boise 
And the latest new announcement, uh, I know we tell you that uh, they, they're open Monday through Saturday, six days a week uh, at 1030. Um, Meridian location has been opened up there, but they're announcing that they are starting this week to open up six days a week in their East Boise location. That's their new location that just opened up uh, a couple of months ago. So now you can get into either location and enjoy your lunch or dinner at either of the fat guys locations east boise off gallon or in meridian off wells avenue good morning if you're an nhl fan or an idaho steelheads fan you're going to be stoked to hear this the nhl is returning to boise for a one-night show in october the arizona coyotes and vegas golden knights will take the idaho central credit union ice saturday october 8th it'll be the building's first nhl game since 1997 Steelheads president Eric Trapp on what fans will see. So this will be both teams' last exhibition game before they start their regular seasons. You'll get a mix of probably some of their hiring guys and some of the guys that they're that are trying to make the team. You guys are going to see how fast this game is played live with NHL players. Tickets are on sale to season ticket holders now through August 3rd. The general public will have their chance beginning August 10th. Prices will be from 45 to $100. Bob Beeler, News Talk KBOI. Just so you know, Boise State football will be hosting Fresno State the same day, and of course that's just a mile away. Puck will drop at 6 p.m. Tickets, as you heard Bob say, range from 45 to $100. Uh, they can be claimed first by Idaho Steelhead season ticket holders who will have an order form in their mailbox sometime in the very near future. And then the general public will have their chance to buy tickets starting August 10th. I'm Rick Worthington. Drive home live and local with Nate Shellman this afternoon at 3. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Nate Shellman, by the way, uh, off for a couple of days. Brian Wiley. We'll be uh, filling in this afternoon and tomorrow. Just a programming note to make note of. So, Brian, a lot nicer than Nate Sean. <laughs> uh, coming up for you this morning, 8 o'clock hour, as promised, we're going to have another $50 gift certificate to give away to Biscuit and Hogs. And uh, all you have to do is answer our question brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silverhawk Realty. Um, still a uh, seller's market, uh, only two months of inventory, which is way better than two weeks of inventory that we had six months ago but um call today for all your help with your real estate needs 208-888-4128 our question according to the latest ratings from the american customer satisfaction index what is the best fast food restaurant in the country for your google play simply say hey google play 670 kboi now back to mike casper and chris walton this is casper and chris live and local on news talk kboi an Idaho resident has the first probable case of monkeypox, according to the Idaho Division of Public Health and Central District Health. The investigation is ongoing, but it appears this infection was acquired during travel to a country experiencing a monkeypox outbreak. State and local public health officials are working with the patient's health care providers and the CDC to ensure that the patient is treated and that any potential contacts are identified and notified. The patient, who lives in the Central District Health Area, is recovering. Testing samples are being sent to CDC for confirmation of the monkeypox virus. Results from CDC are expected in the next few days. Monkeypox usually causes a mild illness and most people recover on their own. I guess it was probably only a matter of time before uh, a case would show up in Idaho. Of uh, monkeypox. Monkeypox. Yeah. yeah. 
the uh, individual lives in the central district district health region that's all we know which encompasses ada boise elmore and valley counties the patient is recovering likely was as you heard in that infected during travel Mm -hmm. to a country experiencing an outbreak i wonder which one hard to say and and right now there are outbreaks going on uh, a lot of different places around uh of the world united states is one of them there are over 600 confirmed cases and uh, they think there could be uh, a lot more than that because it is it is contagious now it's rare but it is pretty contagious um there's a lot of misinformation out there uh, i was talking to we were talking about this here recently uh, at uh, a get together and and one of the people that were there thought that the only way you could get this was through sexual contact really that's not true yeah cuz that's not true of chicken box no i know this because i had the when i was 5 and you weren't having sex when you were five, right? Uh, no. no. All right. Um, I thought uh, Dr. Christine Hahn um, talked about the spread of monkeypox and thought it would be good to hear from her. She's the Idaho State epidemiologist. Like I said, it's, it's very rare, but it is something that now that we have a case here in Idaho, um, it is something that is contagious. This is, once again, Idaho State epidemiologist Dr. Christine Hahn. So monkeypox remains quite rare um, in the United States. Um, it is, uh, we've seen it before. Um, there, was, there have been cases and outbreaks in the United States on and off. I remember an outbreak we had here um, in the United States back in uh, 2003 involving pets that had been imported. So it certainly comes up now and again. Uh, but for most uh, Idahoans, it's not a, um, a high risk. It's just something they should be aware of. From everything we know right now, appears to require very close physical contact with somebody, skin-to-skin contact, or um, someone you know breathing or coughing on you very close. We don't believe it's uh, transmitted as easily as, say, influenza or um, COVID diseases uh, spread. This appears to require closer contact. And in the cases and outbreaks that have been reported uh, from Europe and 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 in the case of the United States, there does not appear to be a lot of spread. So that's reassuring. The most data that we have so far is coming out of the United Kingdom, where they've had the most cases. Uh, and what they're finding there is, that you know, when two people are together or living together, you don't always know exactly how the transmission happened. But it appears that it's a intimate sexual contact or very close contact with, with people, not casual contact is what appears to be happening. I do think that monkeypox is something that people just need to be aware of um, uh, those people that um, are uh, sexually active um, and get any sort of a rash or in in contact with somebody who has a rash that you know um, that they're aware of should seek medical attention not just for monkeypox but for other uh, syphilis um, and other um, sexually transmitted infections that can cause rashes so we do recommend medical evaluation if you have sexual contact with somebody and then develop any sort of illness or rash uh, you know in the it's one to two weeks is the normal incubation period, um, and so we would want you to uh, go in if you get any symptoms in that time frame. You know, they can um, test the lesions if the person has any uh, rash that is typical, that, and that can be tested right here in the Idaho um, Public Health Lab. Um, they can actually do a test and get results very quickly within within a day, um, and if that came back positive, uh, then we could um, quickly uh get a vaccine and treatment to that patient once again that is uh idaho state epidemiologist dr christine hahn 
on uh, monkeypox. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with you. I think was it you that a few days ago said that sounds like like a pseudo swear word. Like, ah, monkeypox. Monkey um, fever, body aches, chills, uh, those flu-like symptoms uh, what is what you would have if if you got this in the early stages. You may have swollen uh, lymph nodes in days before a rash appears, and then um, you you would get the rash starting on any body part, small red spots, um, circular and uh, defined border, sometimes filled, uh, could be pus-filled. Um, sounds fun, doesn't it? And you oh, are contagious. Any, anytime you use the phrase pus-filled, it just <laughs> sounds wonderful. You are contagious, apparently, from the time that symptoms begin until all the lesions have completely healed and fresh skin has formed. Wow. The disease is contagious and spreads primarily through direct contact with infectious sores, scabs, or body fluids. However, it can also spread through respiratory droplets during prolonged contact. Once again, that's why you see... If there's a masseuse somewhere in the valley that that has monkeypox, we're all doomed. Yeah. And once again, that's why you, even she talked about it because, you know, you're, you're in prolonged, well, some people more prolonged contact than others when it comes to sex, but, uh, still <laughs> prolonged contact, uh, can, can, is what causes. Those so if people, you just, if you just don't walk understand by somebody, they don't understand efficiency. That's their problem. If you just walk some by somebody with monkeypox, you're not, you're probably not, it has to be, you know, a long prolonged contact. Gotcha. So that's why it, you know, it is so rare and much more rare than, than COVID, even though it's starting to take off. Um, they don't expect it to be anywhere close to as infectious and as many people getting it. But um, just thought we would share that since uh, yesterday it was uh, found that the first probable case of monkeypox um, has been spotted here in yeah. Idaho. And I, when I say probable, they haven't got the uh, test results back um, <laughs> from the uh, test that they took, but all the uh, symptoms are pointing to it being monkeypox. I like the way you worded that, too. It's the 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 first patient has been spotted. I wasn't even trying. I, thanks for catching that. Well done. KBOI News Time 714. Uh, let's get our first check, uh, second check rather, on what's going on with sports this morning. There's a lot of sports uh, action happening. This update brought to you by Fat Guys Fresh Deli, the place to go every day for a delicious lunch or dinner. They open up at 1030, Monday through Saturday, both locations. Get in today. Find out why they were rated the number one deli in the state of Idaho. Some NFL news to share with you, and it's no secret, most of us suspected that Baker Mayfield would not be a Cleveland Brown before the season started. And in fact, that is true, because a trade was made yesterday between the Cleveland Browns and the Carolina Panthers. ESPN's Adam Schefter tells us about it. And so in return, the Cleveland Browns get back a conditional 2024 fifth-round draft pick that could go up to a fourth-round draft pick based on playtime here. Obviously, the Browns will pay $10.5 million of Baker Mayfield's $18.85 million salary for the season. The Carolina Panthers are paying $4.85 million of Baker's salary, and Baker is giving back some money that he can earn in incentives. But now the Carolina Panthers have Baker Mayfield, and they have Sam Darnold, and they are planning to have a quarterback competition this summer, best quarterback wins, but clearly they've been interested in Baker all along. You'd have to think that he will have a good shot of starting on opening day. And if he does start on opening day, it will be Carolina versus Cleveland 
Baker will certainly have a lot to play for on opening day. Baker Mayfield, by the way, was the number one overall pick in the 2018 draft. He joins the Panthers that already have Sam Darnold, as you know, who was the number three overall selection in 2018 in their quarterback depth chart. And now we'll see which of these two guys can lead the Panthers this upcoming season. I'm Rick Worthington. Time for the Morning Market Report. Powered by CapEd Credit Union. Keeping you informed about your money before the market opens. Sponsored by Tree City Advisors. On News Talk, KBOI, Boise. 722, he's Chris Walton, I'm Mike Casper, and uh, with us this morning to talk about your money, Jeremiah Bates. Uh, Jeremiah, something must be wrong here this morning. Um, stock market uh, finished the day up yesterday, uh, and right now the Dow is up 187 points, eight minutes ahead of the opening. All three indexes are up. We've seen the Standard and Poor go up three straight days in a row. What is wrong? <laughs> three straight day, three straight days of gains. It's certainly a positive sight, and. Of course, the market was uh, reacted to the meeting minutes released by the Federal Reserve yesterday. Now, of course, they are keeping the possibility of another 0.75%, three-quarters of 1% rate hike in July. And, of course, stocks reacted favorably to that. Obviously, they have some faith in the Federal Reserve that they're not going to back down from these uh, high inflation numbers. But additionally, they're also kind of looking at the writing on the wall, these uh, economic indicators that, and we talked about it yesterday with the price of oil dropping a bit, that we're starting to see some indications that we might be seeing a contracting economy slightly. So we're seeing in the form of oil prices swooning a bit. We're also seeing in the price of copper. So copper saw its biggest quarterly percentage decline in more than a decade. It's trading at its lowest level since November of 2020. Which is what's interesting about copper is that it's it's largely seen as an like an economic bellwether because this metal is used in so many applications from construction, household appliances, electric vehicles. So if you see that price falling, it kind of may be an indication that there's a bit of a sour outlook on um, on perhaps an overall global economic slowdown. You also saw initial jobless claims expectedly unexpectedly edge higher last week. So a potential sign that we're seeing the labor market start to cool down a little bit as we're starting to see these tighter financial conditions. So you kind of look at all these things coming to a head and largely with the Federal Reserve stating that they do want to front load these rate hikes, they also are nimble. So if you look back to the past or last month's hot inflation reading, that's when the conversation really turned to rate being a bit more aggressive um, with these rate hikes to three quarters of a one percent or even maybe even one percent rate hike where previously they were talking about 025 percent or a half a percent so the Federal Reserve is clearly reacting to the data so if we're starting to see these indicators or these factors start to show that maybe demand is slowing maybe economic growth is slowing maybe they won't have to be as aggressive with these rate hikes, so the market did react favorably to that news that was released. Boris Johnson of uh, the UK, the Prime Minister, resigned uh, today, and uh, it looks like the pound is gaining against the dollar. What else does this mean for our market? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just an initial reaction off of this, but yeah, certainly the fiasco for uh, Boris Johnson. I mean, you you had a lot of... um, a lot of parliament members basically resigning. I think there was more than 50 that resigned basically in protest that they wanted Boris Johnson to resign. And I think the resounding effect of that was, yeah, he had no other choice but to do that. So his initial reaction, it looked like it's going to be favorable. Now, who's going to 
you know, take the take the place. Obviously, there's some uncertainty around that. So I think this will shake out. It'll just be a temporary temporary swing for the pound at least. But yeah, I mean, with him stepping down, there's a po- positive reaction on that front that there'll be a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit more calmness in that leadership over there. Um, so we'll see. <laughs> it is interesting. Chris and I were just talking about it. Yeah, even yesterday, it's like, I am not going to design, resign. I am not going to resign. And then I am going to resign within like 12 hours. <laughs> 24 hours? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, tw- yeah, within 24 hours. Yeah, and I think, I, I think in, in the long run, I mean, we'll, obviously we'll see. But there's also some uncertainty around this because he's been a, I mean, he's been a big backer of the United States and really their approach with uh, the Russia-Ukraine war. So it's going to be interesting to see if that, whoever takes his place, still maintains that course or if there's any big disruptions. But in the short term, yeah, there's, we're seeing a little bit of a pop for Sterling. All right. Uh, looking like we're going to be seeing uh, all three of the indexes in the green as we get ready to open here in just a couple minutes. We'll get another update from you in just about an hour and talk to you again uh, with us tomorrow morning. Thanks, gents. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KDOI. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. If you want to get through and be a part of the show, we encourage that every morning. You can also email chris at kboi.com. And Mike at KBOI.com. Send us an instant message. Text us. Same as our main number, 208-336-3700. Another reminder coming up here for you this morning. Um, this is for tomorrow, all right? So, uh, But the reason that we want to give this to you is so that you can set some sort of reminder tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. Biscuit and Hogs, sweet deal. The KBOI sweet deal. 50% off your Biscuit and Hogs gift certificate. $50 <laughs> worth of uh, food from Biscuit and Hogs. For only twenty five dollars, and this, however, as my granddad used to say, if you're not there by nine a.m., Lord help you. Yeah, uh, in this particular instance, that's that's totally true. This is uh, one of our our two fastest selling sweet deals that we have done in the past. Uh, I think there was like a minute forty seconds that we did this sweet deal one time, and, and it sold out that quickly. So, um, if you want to get in on this, if you check in at nine oh five tomorrow morning, you're going to miss out and chris and i will both tell you that you don't want to miss out on this if you've never been to biscuit and hogs do yourself a favor um they have breakfast lunch and dinner adult beverages some of the best uh bloody mary's if you, if you love bloody mary's you're going to find anywhere uh mimosas a lot of different mimosas they have a mimosa um oh god what is the bird they fill it up with uh the pink flamingo yeah flamingo mimosa. right um they have a Pink mimosa flamingo that they fill up the thing. I it holds. I don't know. I'm a quart or more. Um, so it's really made to share, mm-hmm. but you don't have to. Um, they have the uh, the paint bucket. Paint bucket, Bloody Mary. Yes, yeah. that is like definitely over a quart. I think it's like a half a gallon. So um, that's just some of the unique items that you can find at Biscuit and Hogs that you can take advantage of. And for $50, their prices are, are really good. $50, that's going to probably feed a family of four uh, if you want to get in for breakfast and some of the best uh, eggs Benedict you're going to find anywhere. So tomorrow morning, set your alarm to go off just before nine so that you can get to KBOI.com. Click on the sweet deals link and take advantage of our Friday sweet deal. Biscuit and hog, $50 gift certificate for only 25 bucks. The Great One, Mark Levin, tonight at 7. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 
Yesterday, in an effort to deflect the danger of assault-style weapons in the hands of civilians, Mike Casper defined any gun as an assault weapon. That's you. Yes. Well, it's true that any gun can be used to an assault. uh, An assault-style weapon is in a league of its own. It refers to a semi-automatic gun designed for quick, efficient killing, much like military guns. Such weapons are highly lethal because their rapid rate of fire and high muzzle velocity, coupled with high-capacity magazines, the killer in Highland Park used 30-round magazines. The U.S., with 120.5 firearms per 100 residents, is the only country with more civilian firearms than people. Uh, U.S. civilians alone account for 393 million, about 46% of the worldwide total of civilian-held firearms. Consequently, the military-style guns in the mix, the U.S. is one of the top deaths by gun nations in the world. Time for real action to reduce deaths has come, sitting on our hands while cemeteries fill has to end. Uh, There's a visual for you. Just to to give you, uh, I said um, any gun that is used to assault someone is an assault rifle or an assault assault weapon weapon. um i didn't say all guns were assault weapons um i i will also tell you and you don't have to take my word for it um you can go to a shooting range talk to a shooting expert uh as you said assault style weapons are designed for quick efficient killing much like actual military guns they they aren't efficient um they aren't quicker than other semi-automatics if you talk to a gun expert they will tell you ar-15s are not particularly powerful and they're not particularly accurate um people don't like using them for hunting for example because of those specific reasons and an ar-15 style rifle or an ar-15 with a 30 round clip is no faster than any other gun that is a semi-automatic or rifle that is a semi-automatic that you fire as quick as you can pull the trigger. It's just not. That's just an absolute fact. Plus, uh, one other fact that I will tell you, that there were more people killed last year in America by blunt objects, by a wide margin, than all AR-15-style weapons. Which I, I think proves that uh, ammunition is, is too expensive right now. Could, could be. Um, and by the way, there were more people killed by blunt objects last year than all rifles combined, not just military, as you say, military-style rifles. All rifles combined, more people in America were killed by blunt objects last year than all rifles combined. We should get rid of those and and have basically life designed by Nerf. I think it's in the Constitution that you have the right to uh, bear and keep Nerf, isn't it? I'll have to read it again. Yeah, I mean, even in a China shop, I think you can have Nerf. Like I said, you don't have to take my word for it. You can, uh, and that, by the way, is from federal government statistics. Uh, you can you can go to a uh, gun dealership, a gun range, talk to a gun expert. I am not a gun expert, all right, but um, you you can find that out for yourself if you don't trust me. KBY News Time seven forty five. Let's get a final check on sports once again for you this morning. It's brought to you by Fat Guys Fresh Deli. Check out their uh, entire menu, fatguysfreshdeli.com. If you're a fan of hockey, you will be ecstatic to hear that the Idaho Steelheads are hosting an NHL exhibition game in October. The Vegas Golden Knights will take on the Arizona Coyotes Saturday, October 8th at Idaho Central Arena. It'll be the first time since 1997 that Boise has hosted an NHL exhibition game. Steelheads president Eric Trapp 
on how it came about. We've been working on an NHL game every year for 25 years. I don't think people realize how hard it is to get an NHL team to come to Boise because we're kind of out of the mix of their travel schemes. It, it is a huge undertaking, and uh, we're so excited to have it. Tickets will be priced from $45 to $100. Season ticket holders will have first chance to buy through Wednesday, August 3rd. Public sale begins Wednesday, August 10th. Bob Beeler, News Talk KBOI. Now, just so you know, Boise State football is hosting Fresno State on that particular day. And it's just a mile away. Uh, it'll be a good sports night, though, for the Boise area. Puck will drop at 6 p.m. that night. Tickets range, as you heard, from $45 to $100. Steelheads season ticket holders get first run at those particular tickets and then the general public will have an opportunity to buy starting on august the 10th we'll bring you more on that as it becomes available i'm rick worthington by the way uh before we move on i just want to let you know if you don't want to pay the 45 dollars to 100 dollars per ticket or you miss out on getting your tickets kboi will be giving away free tickets to that nhl hockey game between las vegas and phoenix uh that's coming up in october but keep listening here we'll give you the details on when those giveaways will be happening happening but we will have tickets for you to win here from news talk kboi be a part of the show at 336-3700 or toll free 1-800-529-kboi now back to casper and chris on news talk kboi Programming note for you uh, coming up here in about 45 minutes. Uh, we talk a lot about uh, immigration, uh, set record last year for illegal immigration across our uh, southern border. Um, Peter Crabb is a uh, professor of finance and economics at uh, Northwest Nazarene University here in Napa. He's going to be in with us uh, coming up next hour. Um, he's saying um, we don't have too much illegal immigration. That's not a problem. We need more immigrant workers uh he's going to be in to talk about that an article that he uh wrote here uh last week so that'll be coming up here uh, about eight thirty-five this morning if you want to get through to us uh 208-336-3700 pound 670 on your verizon wireless talked a little bit uh about education uh yesterday shane uh wrote in uh, and this is from the idaho department of education because we had asked we're we're the worst in, in or was it 50th or 49th in spending we were 50th of 51 50 of 51 there we go counting dc and our question was does that mean that we are also the worst in education because just because you don't spend as much as everybody else doesn't mean that your education is yeah. worse um, from the Idaho Department, he shared this uh, from the Idaho Department of Education. According to Ed Week's latest national study, Idaho ranks 17th in the nation for student achievement among all states in the District of Columbia. That's particularly encouraging, according to uh, Superintendent Ybarra, um, that our ranking for 2016 was 31st in the nation. So since 2016, we've risen from wow. 31st in the nation to 17th. That's pretty good. And this is uh, for the latest that they have kept track in 2020. So right. this isn't, they, they, we haven't got the latest release for 2021 yet. Not up to date post COVID or right. uh, during COVID or wherever we are. Here's the uh, unfortunate part uh, about that um, Idaho's score for student achievement was 73.3 out of a possible 100, earning the grade of a C. But that's up from a D plus in 2016. No states earned A grades. In the recent year, two earned Bs, Massachusetts and New Jersey. Florida had a B-. Idaho fared better in rankings than Oregon, 
Montana, Washington, and Wyoming, and Nevada. Utah also earned a C with a slightly higher student achievement score than Idaho. So the only state surrounding us who did better than Idaho was Utah, and just by a and small margin. They're, they're also the only state that spends less per pupil than we do. Yeah, which is interesting. Once again, it matters how, how your money is being spent, not how much you're being is being spent. Uh, by the way, rankings based on the percentage of uh, Idaho 4th and 8th grades proficiency in the 2019 NAEP math and reading assessments, as well as the improvement of the scores since 2003. Other factors in the rankings include graduation rates and advanced placement scores that's how they get to that uh ranking of 17th but um not bad when you consider that idaho once again second to worst in spending but that doesn't necessarily mean that the education in idaho is second to worst it's it's actually improving so kudos to idaho there we go and once again this all comes from what we were talking about yesterday as far as uh with reclaim idaho turning in the the um, signatures yesterday. It looks like it will be on the ballot in November, and uh, we'll they be had voting. Hundreds of people that showed up for that yeah. too. And I guess that uh, they turned in over a hundred thousand names uh, or signatures for that petition to uh, get onto the ballot in November. So they only needed, I think, seventy thousand. So I mean, they made it by a wide margin. So that will be one of the things we'll be voting on in November. Night at ten. It's Michael Knowles. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris live and local on News Talk KBOI. Once again, uh, coming up here in about twenty minutes, going to give you a chance to win a free fifty dollars gift certificate to Biscuit and Hogs. It's our Casper and Chris damn near impossible question. Brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silverhawk Realty. You're looking to buy real estate, sell real estate, or maybe you would uh, like to get into investing. Guess what? They have five different offices across the Treasure Valley, plus Sun Valley, plus Idaho Falls that can help you out. Call today for any help with your real estate at 208-888-4128. Our question today, according to the latest ratings from uh, American Customer Satisfaction Index, what's the best fast food restaurant in America? I'll even give you one more hint. This is surprising. The best fast food restaurant in America, it, it has also um, been ranked as the best restaurant mm. in America, which is just crazy when kind you consider it. rare distinction. $50 gift certificate to Biscuit and Hogs can be yours. To- Remember, if you missed any part of Casper and Chris this morning, check out their podcast on the KBOI app or on KBOI.com. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. And I will tell, I will promise you this, Idaho, um, you're gonna, you're, we are not letting this uh, sit idly by. You're gonna be represented at the twenty twenty at the big August twentieth, um, the Moment of Truth Summit, and there will be, and there will be representation there from Idaho. And all of this stuff is not happening in vain. All of these people with the machines will be melted down and used for prison bars. And it, and uh, Idaho is at the front of the line as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> that is uh, Mike Lindell, better known as the My Pillow Guy, back at it again, suggesting that there is voter fraud in Idaho, despite Republican and Democratic assurances that the state's elections are fair and accurate. The state conducted audits after the election in Ada, Kootenai, and Bonneville counties. The audits found perfect results. Nothing, not even one miscount. No differences between the new hand counts and the already certified results. 
Last November, Ada County Elections Office recounted a few precincts in Meridian City Council election, found no change in the results from that certified election. But Lindell, speaking on his uh, web video show, that's what that was was from, with a caller from Idaho said uh, that they question Idaho's primary elections despite evidence to the contrary. And that's where you heard him respond to that. Now, last year, the Idaho Secretary of State's office investigated allegations that Lindell made that some votes for Trump were switched electronically to votes for President Biden here in Idaho. Lindell alleged that this happened in all 44 counties in Idaho. The the biggest... However, the proof he had of that turned out to be, well, you know, nothing. nothing. Yeah. Uh, and here's the other thing that would cause you to be a little skeptical. Uh, he said that this happened in all 44 counties in the state of Idaho. There are seven counties in the state of Idaho that don't have an electronic component <laughs> of the vote counting process. So right there, he, he's off immediately. By seven. By seven, uh, because they just don't have electronic ways to change votes electronically. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Trump won almost every single county in Idaho and won the state with over 63% so of the vote. why concentrate on Idaho I if, don't know. The, if, if the results that he was looking for were the ones that he got? I I wonder if it is, you know, because Idaho is largely considered to be one of the top two or three red states in the nation. I, I don't know if it's because, uh, you know, the state is so Republican that he, he thinks that by, you know, including Idaho in this, that everybody's going to jump in lockstep with him and go, yeah, yeah, that's right. There was fraud going on here. Tom Luna, Idaho GOP chairman, said that Lindell is very, very uninformed, unquote. He pointed to the audits and reviews of the election to uh, race in District 9, where the recount confirmed that Scott Syme lost to Judy Boyle by just six votes. Once again, they audited that because it's an automatic audit if you have less than a certain percentage of votes. And in the original announcement, Syme lost by six. After the audit, he still lost by six. (laughs) That's true. They're not to be the exact same number, which is is nice. It means you did it right the first time. Yeah. Look, I, I, I know there are a lot of people, and I know there are a lot of people here that live in Idaho. There are a lot of people that listen to this show that think there was fraud in the election. I know there are things that people see. Um, you know, you, you, you can look at the movie, um, what is it, 2,000 Mules that came out. And if you watch that movie, you go, wow, that looks really, really hinky or, but you got to remember it's a documentary. It's yeah. not, it's not proof of something I, happened. I tried watching it with uh, the sound turned down and it, it, it doesn't look like much of anything is happening. Right. You have to have the narration. Yeah. Um, and like I said, there are some things in there that make you raise your eyebrows and go, well, wait a minute, that doesn't look right. But once again, it's a, a documentary that was put together, and you can edit and take stuff out of context. With, with actually not being there, you can't say, oh, my God, this is proof that this did happen. We keep looking, and look, I was skeptical, too, when you see some of the stuff that happened, you know, the vote count that changes yeah. overnight and stuff like that. So I'm like, okay, if this is true, we're going to see proof of this. And, and so far, we just haven't seen the proof. Now, I'm not saying there was not fraud, because there is fraud in every single election that they found that they find but um they they also it's prosecute usually on also, a very very, very small, small yeah 
it doesn't uh, level like one person. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily change the outcome of, right. uh, of an election. And I'm talking all you know, all elections, whether it's state, national. Um, it's just weird that how he continues to go off on Idaho, and and that's a great question to ask. Like you said, it's like why is he concentrating on Idaho? And the only thing I can think of is that he thinks because it is such a red state that Republicans are are going to jump in, and and re- even Republicans are not buying into his allegations as a matter of fact they have filed the state has filed a cease and desist order and also has sent him a bill Mm. for the amount of money that was spent to audit the elections based on his claims that there was fraud that there was cheating going on in all 44 counties even though it would be impossible in seven of those counties because they they have no electronic voting devices in seven counties so that, that's the only. I, that's the only thing I can think of is that he thinks that, you know, he has a better chance of people saying, "Yeah, we 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 had cheating going on in our state," and and if we do, I I am the first person that says I don't I don't like all all the states and and the way they run their elections, but I don't live in those states. I don't have a problem with the way Idaho runs their elections. No, but it seems to be pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um. You know, if there, there was a lot of fraud, you know, it, did it actually change? Certain races, you know, around the state, uh, because uh, you know, what was it okay, Trump won here uh, for the presidency pretty easily, sixty-three percent, and mostly Republicans won as they mostly often do here. So, you know, why would there have been fraud that didn't change anything? Attempted? I don't know. Attempted fraud—that's a possibility. Yeah. Um, Terry writes in, I don't know exactly what Terry means by this. Uh, January 6th, taken out of context, question mark? No. Uh, I, I, I would don't, say I don't, no. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what you're trying to say there. 365 days a year, they don't want people doing that. So, no, I don't think <laughs> yeah. so. And on leap years, it's 366 days they don't want point. people yeah. doing that. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Uh, we can talk more about this uh, after 9 o'clock this morning. You want to get to that. Um, email in from Matt says, uh, Mike at KBOI.com says, the most dangerous weapon of our time is an ignorant American with their First Amendment right. I'm sick of the gun debate and these idiots calling these AR rifles assault rifles. They are not even close to military select fire rifles. Wake up, idiots, and do your homework before you spew stupidity. I think that's in response to an email we read a little bit earlier. When you're spewing it, it's technically spupidity. Hey, that's a good, I like that. Yeah. Um, another email in Copyright says, 2012. It irritates me to no end when people keep saying we need to ban assault rifles. First off, assault rifles, rifles are illegal to own without a federal armor's license. Assault rifles are full automatic machine guns. The gun you are referring to is a semi-automatic one trigger, one trigger, one pull, one shot fired. The media wants you to think that these are weapons of war because it sounds so much worse. Just because it might look like an assault rifle doesn't mean it is one. The, the average person, though, I don't think really is affected by calling them weapons of war. They're affected by knowing that they just recently shot up a whole parade. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. The high-capacity magazine argument is ridiculous. You're saying that three 10-round magazines are less deadly than a 30-130 round. It only takes three seconds to drop one magazine, slam another one in, and release the bolt. I believe the media, oh, that's us, and politicians have a big share of the blame when it comes to 
uh, many shootings. The media runs with the story 24-7, and you know everything about these shooters. So when you have a person who is mentally unstable, how can I go out like a blaze of glory? They know that shooting up a school will do just that, or in the instance that this weekend, shooting up a parade. We'll also talk about, uh, when we come back uh, here after the top of the hour, one thing I'd like to know, and you can start emailing about this. There are, It's looking like there's going to be a very strong possibility that the Highland Park shooter's father could be criminally liable and could be criminally charged because he was the one that signed off and helped his son get five the weapons that that he bought because he purchased them legally um some of them though before he was the age of uh, yeah. 21 um I, I wanted to get your thoughts and like i said you can start weighing in and i'm going to ask this question again after nine nine o'clock is the father legally criminally liable for this attack for something his son did not if his son's over 18 i i, I agree too I, and i get it you know, because and it I, wasn't I, illegal to get him a, to get him a gun. Right? No, okay. well, it, it should have been. He under, had a, he had a lot of red flag. Yeah, laws, he had a lot of warning been. signs, but yeah. uh, people do miss things. You and I asked this question yesterday before this this story was coming out that he could be held criminally liable. You know, we had asked it. You know, should should he have allowed his son to buy guns? If if this, this was our son, would we have done it? And we both resoundingly said, "Absolutely not." We not, not, not with the uh, red flags. Helped no. him, yeah. Would, would have helped if, him with the he, red flags if he that were evident. Attempted suicide and was talking about killing other people. I mm-hmm. think let's let's just for a while not enter a gun into that. So we'll talk more about that. Also on the way, coming up here in about twenty minutes. Don't go away. Um, we will uh, be talking with a uh, gentleman here, professor at NNU, Peter Krabs, going to be on with us, um, saying, you know, people are talking about there is way too much illegal immigration. We are on track to set another record this year uh, for illegal immigration come across our southern border. But he is saying we need more. We'll find out what he means by that uh, coming up here in about 20 minutes. Don't go away. When we come back, we'll have a chance for the Casper and Chris. Damn near impossible question. $50 gift certificate will be coming up after traffic and weather. Download the 670 KBOI app for your smartphone for free. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. All right. Casper and Chris, damn near impossible question, brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silverhawk Realty, 208-888-4128 for all your real estate needs. $50 gift certificate to Biscuit and Hogs. Matt is going to get the first crack at it. Uh, Matt, what is the best fast food restaurant, according to Customer Satisfaction Index. Best restaurant in the United States. Chick-fil-A. It is Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A. but only six hey. days a week. Oh, maybe that's enough. Seventh, seventh day, they're not the most popular because you can't go. Hey, congratulations. Uh, by the way, this is absolutely crazy. And I, I, I will admit, I do not get it. I mean, Chick-fil-A you, you is, is, is okay. I don't know if I would rate it as the best restaurant in the country because they're not just the best fast food restaurant. They were ba- rated the best restaurant, restaurant overall. Overall, Well, their service is always good. Their service is great. Place is always clean. I like their food. Their food, see, I like so many different places, their food, and maybe that's it. I'm not a big, huge chicken sandwich fan. Oh, come on. You're very huge. <laughs> Stop it. Um, Chick-fil-A, by the way, in the fast food category, number one, uh, only 
They're the only company who's scored above an 80. Really? In the fast food category. Um, you know who is second? Uh, they're, Subway. They're fr- freaky fast. Oh, what? Jimmy John's. Jimmy John's. Okay. Jimmy John's was second. Domino's and KFC uh, tied for third. Uh, then Chipotle, Panera, Pizza Hut, and Starbucks. By the way, uh, I heard, I heard uh, you mentioned McDonald's. Uh, the fast food chain with the lowest score was McDonald's. <laughs> no surprise there. Yeah. Hey, hang on the line. We've got a uh, $50 gift certificate for you. By the way, once they start franchising, which could be within the next year, Biscuit and Hogs, uh, they could be up there in the uh, rankings of the uh, top five. They're that good. Have you ever been to Biscuit and Hogs before, Matt? I have not. You're in for a treat. Take it from Chris and I. It's fantastic. Hang on the line. We'll get some more information. Don't forget, we've got another chance tomorrow to win a free $50 gift certificate at this same time. And then tomorrow morning, uh, 9 o'clock, don't forget, our KBOI sweet deal of the week is a $50 gift certificate to Biscuit and Hogs. It'll only cost you $25, but once again, it goes so fast that if you are not in, by 9.05, you're going to miss out on that. That's tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock. Go to KBOI.com. Click on the Sweet Deals link, and you can get that half-price deal. The day from 10 to 1, it's Dan Bongino. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Good morning. He's Chris Walton. I'm Mike Casper. And in the uh, studio with us... I believe for the first time, we've talked to him a, a couple of other times, but usually uh, over the phone, yeah. we have the professor of finance and economics at Northwest Nazarene University in Nampa, Peter Crabb, with us this morning. Thanks for coming in. Great to be with you. I, I'm, I'm taking it that the uh, commute wasn't horrible because you're coming the opposite direction, right? The roads right? are great this morning. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even blowing. Uh, <laughs> um, quite clear. The reason that we have you in today is uh, over the last few years, we've talked a lot about illegal immigration coming into the uh, country. We set a record last year for the most illegals crossing the southern border uh, on track for a, another record this year. But you had an article right. that you had uh, written, and the uh, subject of that t- headline of that article, too much illegal immigration, question mark. That's not the problem. We need more immigrant workers. Correct. So when when you say that when you say immigrant workers are you right. still talking we need combination of legals and illegals or just legal immigrants? Yeah, it's it's a question of defining your terms. Uh I guess we're doing that a lot this morning with mm-hmm. rifles and everything. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're you know, what what do we mean? Why why are so many border crossings and the data that you just referenced is this uh, the most highest number of captures you know that we've actually right. caught people that's where we're where we're getting so we actually never know the exact number of people that actually <laughs> yeah, cross the right because a lot right? of them don't get caught. right yeah. the ones that that don't or ones some that turn around and and uh unfortunately some that don't make it you know, yeah. that's a sad part about it as well so the uh, the question economists often ask when we when we see pushed up demand or pushed up or pushed back supply uh, there's a lot of talk about that by economists these days for many products is is what's forcing that push and and the there so there are two forces uh, causing this uh, these higher numbers that we're seeing is that there's a strong incentive to leave where they're at uh, because of crime violence and just poor economic policies in their countries of origin and then secondly as we've seen in in much of the the, the data around here there's there's plenty of work 
Uh, the most recent report from the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics was yesterday, and there's twice as, almost twice as many job openings as there are people looking for work right now. So, you know, that's unusual. So there, there's plenty of work. That's, that's why they're coming. So instead of you know, spending perhaps a lot of money on, on trying to keep them out, uh, we, we should, uh, you know, arrange for the market to clear here in the labor market. Do we need more full-time residents, uh, and or, or do we need uh, migrant workers and seasonal workers sure. as well? Yeah, there are a number of uh, different policy actions that could address this issue, uh, such as increasing the amount of uh, migrant worker visas, uh, increasing the number of uh, H-1 visas, which tend to be for the higher-skilled uh, workforces. There's a, there's a number of companies, particularly the larger tech companies that are pushing Washington to increase the amount of skilled workers that they can bring in. So many different policy options uh, would uh, treat that issue. Uh, the, the difficult policy op- option that, that's on the table right now is the asylum question. You know, so are they, are they seeking asylum right. here, and, and what should be our decision, and how should we define that term? Here's another term. What do we, you know, what do we right. mean by seeking there's, there's a difference if you're in danger right, right. in What's your country your real, as yes. opposed to just really not liking it. Right, and Congress needs to deal with that issue and, and the laws there. But uh, yeah, clearly, uh, they're at our borders because there's work to be had here and there's not work for them at home. So uh, I get the, the uh, assessment that you're making that, that you know we have way more jobs, at least right now, Correct. Uh, at this current time, than we have people available. Um would you would you be I guess uh, for lack of a better term for open borders to allow this or you still just want to see more people be allowed to come in on work visas? Right, as I said, there's there's many different policy ways to address this. Uh, but uh, referencing my article, the the question is, what kind of barrier to trade do we want in this market? Uh, apparently, the Biden administration wants to reduce barriers to trade with. China, lower mm-hmm. current tariffs, uh, believing that that will help our, the inflationary issues that we're seeing. So why do they maintain such strong barriers to entry in the labor market? And yeah, there, there are a number of different ways to address that. So yes, ideally, uh, markets work, work, work best when there's free and open entry and exit. Uh, that's been shown over and over again. Any type of barrier to entry that we put in any market we ought to have a, a, a pretty good, strong reason. What are the risks? What are, what are we trying to do with that government intervention? And uh, right now in, this, in the current situation, we don't seem to be addressing uh, or having a, a good, strong reason for keeping those workers out. How did we get to the point in this country where we have good so many question. jobs available and no one to fill them? Yeah, good question. So there's, there's plenty of demand. Uh, the, you know, not, despite the constant bad news that we, that we hear, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the negative uh, consumer sentiment data, uh, lowest it's been in, in decades uh, that we just saw uh, a week or so ago. But you know, for some reason, everybody's still spending, buying cars, going on <laughs> yeah. trips. Uh, life is good. Optimism. <laughs> so there, there's lots of optimism. There's lots of buying, uh, particularly um, coming out of the pandemic. We've got a lot more a demand for services mm-hmm. and travel and entertainment. For, for years they told us we were always kind of banking on the faith we had in America anyway, right? Right, right. Yeah. So there's, uh, life, is, life is good. Yeah. You know, the, the standard of living continues to grow. Um, there's uh, lots of advances in all sorts of industries, health and technology. 
So there's there's plenty of reason for why things are good. Uh, the getting back to the supply issue, uh, when we look at the origin of most of these, um, again to your numbers, the people that are being captured over over the border, mm-hmm. we look at the origin countries. And it's a political mess, and, and it's a violent mess. There is a, a lot Because they're not just coming from Mexico. No, correct. And uh, Mexico is declining uh, as in terms of uh, the numbers that are, are coming from our particular neighbor. It's more of Central America these days. Once again, we're talking with uh, Peter Crabb, Professor of Finance and Economics at NNU in Napa. We need to take a quick break here. We've got some more questions on the way, talking about uh, immigration uh, here. And uh, he is for more immigration rather than less immigration because we need workers we got some more questions coming up we'll take a quick break more with peter crab on the way get 670 kboi on alexa first say alexa enable the 670 kboi skill then when you want to listen say alexa open 670 kboi now back to mike casper and chris walton this is casper and chris live and local on news talk kboi 852 once again talking with professor peter crab Finance and Economics at NNU in Nampa about uh, immigration. I wanted to ask, um, you know, do you, do you see it? I know that, you know, right now we don't have enough workers, which, you know, in our, in our history, if you go back the last 30 years, it doesn't happen very often where right. you have way, way, way more jobs than workers available. Mm-hmm. Is it problematic that, you know, do, do you expect this to continue? Is this the way we are? I don't, I don't know what's causing this right now that, where people all of a sudden, you know, say, oh, I don't need a job. I, I, I'll get by on doing this or, or whatever. But do you see it problematic maybe in the future where we do have then too much immigration? That Because that's kind of, sign of the, some of the complaints that people make is that if you have immigrants coming in, they're taking people's jobs. Right. Yeah. You, you hear that argument. Uh, you hear uh, the other common argument is they're coming here to use our resources, our government benefits. It's another good thing I yeah, wanted to bring yeah, up, too. You, you, you hear the argument uh, that they don't assimilate. Uh, but uh, I reference uh, three different sources in the article that, uh, for the statesman this week. Uh, the, and the research, and uh, particularly at the Independent Institute, has shown that uh, uh, essentially there's, there's, there's no support in the data for all three uh, of those issues. You know, first, if, if, we, if we look back historically, there's the, the number of people uh, migrating at this time is no higher and perhaps actually lower uh, than uh, over the course of the 20th century. There was a lot more movement of labor in people, uh, particularly in the 19th century. So if we go way back in history, you know, people used to cross the Mexican border daily, you mm-hmm. know, to go back and forth. And so uh, in terms of the, you know, the, what, are things different this time? Not really in terms of the number of people that are seeking uh, to migrate uh, for purposes of work. And then the the assimilation argument is, all, well, we're, we're going to get so many people that aren't really, you know, they don't follow our values, they don't follow our norms, or they challenge our institutions. And uh, there is some of that, but uh, overall, the, the majority of, of migrants on, uh, that we look at assimilate in one form or the other. Uh, they pick up the language, uh, they adopt the norms, uh, they celebrate the same holidays, and, and, and so forth. Uh, certainly, everybody brings. My Irish family still brings some of their traditions. Uh, well, but, those are pretty good traditions too. <laughs> thank you so, so much. <laughs> uh, so you know, there you know that, but you know, so the data, uh, the majority of people do assimilate. Uh, so the the tougher question, really, because it's very hard to measure, 
is this whether or not that, you know, do they use more resources than they pay in taxes? And so the, this has been studied over and over again. Uh, and, and it appears that migrants primarily pay more into our government in terms of sales taxes and property taxes in particular. Uh, many undocumented workers are paying income taxes and, and Social Security taxes but getting no benefit from that. So the, the net is a positive. Uh, in terms of the amount that they pay into the system mm-hmm. for it. So those are the three primary ar- arguments, and the, and the data just doesn't support those arguments right now. Though, now, those of us who have been here a long time, are sure. we draining the resources, or are we you know, making, are we uh, yeah, earning our I'm, keep I'm as well? very close to that. <laughs> you know, living off. But um, your, your question brings up an important point. What are those resources? Uh, what are those government benefits? Uh, that uh, might be particular problematic if there was a lot of uh, immigration. And so the one that comes up uh, quite a bit is health care and the Social Security benefits, mm-hmm. uh, kind of known as the primary entitlement programs. And uh, we heard again that, you know, that they're going to run out of money in the Social Security system pretty soon now, in the next couple of years. And so we, we actually do need more workers paying in uh, in order to fill those those, those benefits. That's a good point. Them. So... Uh, we, we do need increased amount. Uh, uh, we need to better the ratio is the way you look right. at it of workers to those. Uh, that but it are used retired. to be 12 to one. Now it's down to like uh, four, four to one or something. Right. Yeah. yeah. Four to one. So that that's, it's hard for all these young workers to take care of us old people uh, <laughs> all the time. So. Uh, but, Peter yeah. uh, Crab, once again, professor of finance and economics at Northwest uh, Nazarene University in Napa. Thank you very much for coming in and spending Always a few great. minutes. Yeah, uh, by the way, if you want to read the article, article came out uh, earlier this week in the Idaho Statesman. Yes, uh, it's talks, online. Talks and, uh, about it. Yep. Today. Yeah. Uh, so once again, thank you very much for coming in. Much appreciated. Good to be you guys. We got news coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, they may be talking about this breaking news. Brittany Griner, the WNBA star, has pled guilty to the Russian drug charges. We'll talk a little bit more about that. I'm sure you'll hear about that in the news. Plus, we'll take your phone calls and emails. Phone lines are open now. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon. Shapiro this afternoon at 1. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Into the 9 o'clock hour, uh, 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. If you want to get through on the phone, that's the easiest way to uh, get through to us. You can also call toll-free 1-800-529-5264. Email chris at kboi.com, mike at kboi.com. You can also text the same as our main number, 208-336-3700. Just before we get to uh, some of our emails that we've already got in or your phone calls, if you're going to call in, uh, the breaking news we had, and you just heard uh, talk about it there at the top of the hour. Brittany Griner, WNBA star, uh, pleads guilty to Russian drug charges. Um, My guess is they gave her very little uh, choice. Basically, from what I've heard, about 100% of people who are charged with a crime in Russia and go to court are found guilty anyway. Nearly 100%. Um I, I also believe that this I don't have any inside knowledge on this or anything, but I also believe um, this is a way for Russia to troll the United States by marching her out there in front of the cameras by, you know, I, I get it. She's stuck in Russia, but you can say whatever you want. And I, and I get it that there was a very small amount of THC in the vape pen that she had, and, but she shouldn't have had the vape pen with THC in it. 
She probably wouldn't even have gone to court if this had happened in the United States. So I don't. I think you're right. She had no choice but to plead guilty because you can't really say, well, I guess you can do like people here, criminals here. Well, it wasn't my pen. Somebody, yeah. somebody stuck it in my luggage. In, in a number of states, that's, that's legal anyway. So what will more than likely uh, happen here, at least this is what's being said, it's likely that Russia will want to set up now an exchange to swap Griner with Victor Bout, a Russian arms dealer nicknamed the Merchant of Death. Wow, who's going to get the better side of this deal? Let's see, we get our WNBA player back. They get the Merchant of Death. Mm-hmm. He's currently serving a 25-year I'd, prison I'd, sentence I'd, I'd for... Rather, rather have the WNBA player. <laughs> conspiring to sell weapons to people who said they plan to kill Americans. Um, Vice President of Russian Section of the International Human Rights Commission tells People Magazine that he believes in exchange for Griner and Bout is the best option. Wow. Okay. So what do we have to give up? Only the merchant of death. Yeah, only only somebody that was uh, selling weapons to people who are planning to kill Americans, that's an that's we, equal we change. Start with like the intern of death or something. <laughs> equal exchange, the intern of death. Uh, 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Uh, we are getting some uh, emails in uh, this morning on our uh, conversation we just had with the uh, professor at NNU. Um, Wayne writes in, in talking about the cost of immigrants, the professor said that immigrants add more to the economy than they receive. I'd like this further defined. Does this include the children that an immigrant may bring with them at the nominal cost of $15,000 per year per child? I question that an immigrant pays that much into the pot. I missed part of the conversation. Does a professor differentiate between legal and illegal immigration? Yes, he does. Um, he's saying we need more legal legal immigration, not the illegal. We don't really need any illegal. Yeah. If it were all legal, that would be great. Um, he's also talking about maybe not even just legal immigration or immigration, but um, allowing more work visas and making it migrants easier for and, people. Yeah, migrants to come work. Seasonal farm workers, yeah. people like that. Because we have so many of those jobs right now that are not being filled and crops are having to be plowed up because they can't get the number of workers that they um, used to be able to get. So he's saying that the Congress needs to act to make it easier for migrants They're, to get work visas to come and work in the country we've talked about it before and there are some industries that uh are actually hit hard by migrants uh, who are willing to work for less one of those is the uh, construction industry Uh, you know contractors are hiring people that will take you know what they can afford Mm -hmm. i I mean i'll give you a perfect example of how um difficult it is to find people for instance in the construction industry um, you know, we had, we just had a new house built a year ago and there were some, some certain things that didn't get done. They got overlooked. I mean, simple things that can be fixed. And I had just asked the, um, person who was in charge of the construction project, the construction manager. It's like, why, why, you know, couldn't you get on these guys for, I mean, we're talking about paint over spray that didn't get fixed or yeah. something. I mean, su- super simple stuff, but they still have to come in and fix it. And it's like, why didn't you get on them uh, about this? And he goes, I can't. Go, what do you mean you can't? You're the project manager. He goes, if we get on somebody, they quit because there are 10 other people that are going to pay just as much as we are to get the job done. And now I'm sitting there with an empty slot and can't find somebody to work. So he goes, you know, we, we, we can't <laughs> get on our workers like, you know, we should be getting on them to do a good job 
uh, in a lot of instances just because wow. they will walk across the street it's, and it's, work for somebody else. It, it, so the workers are controlling the means of production. Yes, yes. Um, what did I read about that? Another uh, email come in uh, from Terry says, uh, what numbers and from what agency is this Biden liberal quoting from? And you guys, they're nodding as bobbleheads. Come on, guys. Well, he, I'll give you the places he's quoting from. Uh, Pew Hispanic Center. He also uh, quoted from uh, research by Giovanni Perry at the University of California, Davis. That shows that immigrants expand the economy's productivity. Um, and then uh, research published by Independent Institute showing higher immigration doesn't affect government spending and helps the world's poor more than assistance programs. So those were the places that he was quoting from. He wasn't just pulling numbers now, out of the air. No, I would ask the person who wrote this, did your grad school teach you something else? Good point. I I particularly um, was interested, in, and I think the reason I'm interested in it, because it affects me more now where I'm at. I don't, I don't know if I would have paid as close attention to this 20, 25 years ago, but the part about Social Security running out of money is something that could be fe- fixed by legal immigration and also work visas. Because even people on work visas, if they come in, they don't live here, but they want to come in and work, and then go back to their homes in Mexico yeah. in the off season. They pay their ta- They have to pay taxes when they come here, and part of that is Social Security tax. True, and Social Security. I mean, for for want of a better term, it it works a lot like a Ponzi scheme, in that the people paying in right now are paying for the people who started paying in a long time ago. Right, and it used to be when this started out. I think it was eighteen employees for every person retired is what they were paying for. I think is if I remember the numbers correctly. So there were eighteen working people who were playing, mm-hmm. paying for each person who was on Social Security. And as you heard this morning, that's now down to four people working for each person and who is on Social Security. Darn that increased longevity. And this isn't going to change for a while because what you're seeing is the biggest time in America um, for population was the baby boomers. And baby boomers are now in that mass retirement age right. and why you have so many people so this is uh, the end of the baby i'm at the very low end of the baby boomers so you know if if i retire in the next five six years whenever uh you know it that's you have the large amount of population who is taking social what, security and they're until they die they're not going to go off social security that's how we're defined you are uh, probably the youngest baby boomer and i'm probably the oldest person in generation x yeah true that true that um, another email says, pack cannabis cartridges in uh, luggage, but he didn't know because he was in a hurry. She. Yeah, that he's, he's saying he, um, yeah, it is she. Um, she is six foot nine, but put, believe me, she's a girl. Put him in jail, put her in jail. Um, well, first of all, she is in jail. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I, I totally get it. You're right. It, I mean, she broke the law. She really can't, if she was in the United States, her lawyer probably would have had her plead, uh, plead guilt or innocent unless there was some amazing deal. But the, the fact that, I mean, she wasn't packing cannabis. There was a small amount in her vape pen that she had already smoked. Yes, she was traveling with it. Yes, it was in her luggage. Um, so you can't really say, no, it wasn't mine because she admitted it. It was hers. But here in the United States, here and even in Idaho, where all 
cannabis of any shape and form is illegal, probably wouldn't do any jail time whatsoever if she had been arrested at the airport here in Idaho for the same thing. Am I wrong about that? In that, I mean, I don't, I don't know for a fact. I'm not a lawyer. I just I don't know it on for, the radio. I don't from know time it for a time. fact either. I don't. I don't but know I, what uh, they're not going to put her people. in prison for 15 years like she was looking for, uh, looking at in China, for the same thing happening. Even if it was here in Idaho, which has no approved cannabis whatsoever. No, and the State Department puts warnings out all the time. If you are traveling abroad, working abroad, whatever, watch your, I'll say, self and cover yourself as well. Yeah. Because the the laws are not going to be the same as they are at home, and you could be doing something that uh, seems harmless, and they could give you 40 years in jail for it. Uh, James Garden City uh, writes in, If the Russian merchant of death deserves to be imprisoned for selling guns to people who plan to kill Americans, does that mean gun dealers who sell to mass shooters also deserve to be imprisoned? Yeah, if they do it illegally, they deserve to be imprisoned too. The merchant of death was selling weapons illegally. If a gun, anybody selling a gun, if they do it illegally, they deserve to be in prison. Laura says illegal immigration info in mainstream is just like the current increase in gun violence. We only hear the most salacious news because Hispanics stick out so much in Idaho. We see what we want to see. A large percentage of those we see are citizens or legally in the U.S. Only a small percentage are actually illegal and smaller percentage uh, criminal. Not every brown face is an illegal stealing my God-given U.S. right. I live in Meridian where homes average $600,000 plus and many have moved in and they aren't $4 an hour field workers. 208-336-3700, pounds 670 on your Verizon Wireless. We'll take a quick break, take more of your phone calls, your emails uh, coming up. Once again, if you want to get through, you can email Chris at KBY.com, Mike at KBY.com. If you're on the phone right now, stay right where you're at. I promise we'll get to you right after this. Listen to KBOI online. Go to KBOI.com and click the Listen Live button. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Terry writes in, uh, your own news says that she pled uh, guilty talking about uh, Griner here, WNBA star, uh, pleaded guilty for having cannabis cartridges, or did I just hear it wrong uh, from CBS? Um, she had cartridges, but it had less than two hundredth of an ounce. Well, yeah, cartridges aren't very big. No, um, and and two hundredths They're just, of I mean, an ounce if is not is is like a trace amount. Yeah, if you're familiar with vaping or vape stores and things like that, cartridges are just those little things that screw onto the top of the battery. Yeah, and. Uh, you can you can get them filled with, uh, you know, THC, and I, you can get them, in fact, right over the Idaho border in Oregon filled with THC, I imagine. And uh, my guess is a few people do that because uh, I haven't noticed those places closing. I think uh, I, the biggest thing is Russia is trying to say that um, she was trafficking in in cannabis, and if you have two hundredths well, she, of an ounce, you really can't consider that trafficking. She, she was at one end of the trafficking, but it wasn't the supply end. Right. Uh, Kevin and Caldwell, thanks for being patient. Uh, good morning. You're on News Talk KBOI. Yeah, good morning. It'd be pretty hard to traffic in a trace amount. I don't <laughs> think anybody's going to get high off that. You can um, sell to really uh, small people. <laughs> <laughs> Got the world's smallest buzz going exactly. on. Exactly. Um, the uh, the professor in earlier, I didn't get to hear his full interview, but I will say 
after having three years of collegiate level statistics, um, I, I took through college, and uh, you can bend anything to say whatever you want. But being out here in agriculture, nobody wants to work in these jobs anymore. They just don't. I mean, it doesn't matter if they're illegal or illegal. There's very, very few people. And usually if they do get here on a legal visa, they leave after a short time and go into city construction, not because of more money. It's more status and people, the young people want to be around population. Hmm. Just the way it is. So I think the way that the world is going is automation. I mean, J.R. Simplot in Caldwell, I worked there when I got out of college and there was 1,500 people per shift. I mean, that's uh, 4,500 people working at that one plant. And now that plant does the work of, I think, four plants or five plants were put out of business for that one plant. Hmm. There's probably only a couple hundred people there now. So automation's what's happening. And my solution to Social Security is automation's not a bad thing. It's, it's a good thing. But these companies that are replacing people with machines are saving a lot of money. And maybe it's time to revamp the Social Security system to a different system, but those companies that are saving that money on, on robotics, maybe they can contribute into that social security system until those of us who are, have been paying into it are, are long gone and a new system comes around. I think it'd be a better solution. But I, I just don't buy what the professors say. And I just think that, uh, you know, one thing about academia is they're, they're notoriously liberal. And uh, what is the one thing that immigrants will do that Americans won't? Vote Democrat. Some Americans will. <laughs> yeah, some. Not enough. Not enough. So it's kind of the way it's going. I mean, you can if you come into a, a topic with a bias, you're going to get a biased result in the end of your studies. I mean, you can easily manipulate whatever you want with statistics. I learned that right off the first year I was doing that. Mm-hmm. You can do well, I'd like to uh, then, uh, in, in in honor of that, uh, manipulate the statistics that say we just got statistics in that say Chris and I are just very, very handsome men. That's yeah, all. Well, that's all. Wives would disagree with that. That's uh, <laughs> well, not not all the time. No, um, <laughs> not to our faces anyway. <laughs> Thank you for the call, Kevin. Thanks for the thoughts. Sheldon has written in. Sheldon says, I am 100% in favor for streamlining immigration laws and getting people a legal citizenship status more efficiently. It is just good economics. We see societies around the country trying to bolt on clunky new laws and stipulations, such as giving driver's licenses to undocumented immigrants because work is not getting done and agriculture is losing millions of dollars, not to mention the undocumented immigrant life is dangerous. Uh, the facts are clear, and streamlining immigration into our country of immigrants just makes sense. If that means a soupçon of amnesty, then I'm good for that, too. Bob and Nampa, we got about a minute here. Good morning, guys. Uh, you were talking earlier about uh, the immigrants uh, contributing more than what they cost. I ran into a deal here about two months ago with two couples that had were here legally, apparently, from one of the old Russian states. They had been on a program where they uh, were staying in the hotel down there where the hockey rink is, absolutely all expenses paid, driving two nice rental cars. And uh, they had run that program out, and they were going on to another one where their rent would be paid at a house. They had about $2,600 a month between the two couples to pay for rent. They were Oh, by the way, they were all on SSI. Hmm. They, were, I would say, they were mid sixties, and they'd been, like I said, they'd been in the country about a year and a half. Never contributed a dime. But look at the, 
the benefits they were reaping. And then my second comment is you use the term undocumented immigrants. They're not undocumented immigrants. They're illegal aliens if they're not here legally. That would be a more accurate term for you to use. All right. You guys have a good day. I would be curious. I mean, how do you get Social Security uh, benefits if you haven't? Paid into Social paid, Security. Paid into. I mean, even even for me, when I retire, it's based on how much money I paid is how much I'm going to get back. And if you don't pay anything in, you don't get any Social Security retirement benefits. So uh, maybe I I don't know enough about it to answer that question. I'm just thinking out loud. Have that question out loud. Maybe somebody has better information on it. We'll take a break. Um, we'll get back to more of your phone calls and emails. Phone lines are open. Uh, Bobby, stay right where you're at. I promise we'll get to you after news at the bottom of the hour. 208-336-3700. Pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KDOI. 9.33. This is Chris Walton. I'm Mike Casper. Uh, quick update on our uh, stock market after being up yesterday. Uh, looks like, hey, we're a couple of hours in. Still up 230 points on the Dow. Standard & Poor's up 39. Uh, and the uh, NASDAQ, I believe, is uh, also up uh, 166. So that everything is looking pretty good today. He is a very lovely shade of green that we're <laughs> yeah. looking at on the screen. We haven't seen a lot of it this year, but uh, it is nice to see all three of them in the uh, green so far. Uh, we'll get another update. Jeremiah Bates will give that to us just after the market closes, uh, coming up at 12 noon today during our noon news. Phone lines, once again, are open, and uh, you can call us up at 208-336-3700 if you have Verizon Wireless, pound 670. And then, of course, you can also call us toll-free, 1-800-529-5264, so that we can get calls from people who are uh, either living or traveling far and wide. And uh, Bobby calling us up this morning in Georgia, Bobby, thanks for listening. Um, and we talked to you earlier this week. Are you going to give us another yes. gas price update as you travel the highways and byways of our country? Cooler, Georgia. I believe it was a marathon gas station, three seventy nine for regular gas. What mm. under four dollars to three seventy nine? Yes, sir. Now you're driving uh, a big, w- your big rig truck, aren't you? Yes. Can you do? Chris and myself a favor. Can you stop by and buy like a 500 gallon tank somewhere along the road and fill up with some of that $3.79 a gallon gas? We'll, we'll gladly pay you I, on Tuesday. You know, I can do that, but it's probably going to be $5.79 by the time I get to Idaho. Yeah. Well, it's, it's uh, on the way to work he's, this morning. It's at 5.30 he, he, here in Idaho. See, he's, he's got some overhead too. So, you know. Well, I'll I'll pay I'll, I'll pay a few cents overhead to be able to get three. Look at that for three. I don't think he's talking about a few cents overhead <laughs> for three seventy nine. I can afford to pay a dollar of his overhead per gallon and be way ahead. What? It cost me a dollar fifty to run a dollar fifty a mile to run my truck. Now, yeah. how much is diesel where uh, you're at right now? Five nineteen. Mm. So diesel is not that much. Uh, of a great deal. I mean, diesel here's like five eighty something like that. But um, with gas at three seventy nine, as compared to five thirty three or whatever. But you told him to fill up no. a five hundred gallon, you know, tank uh, with uh, gas, and then we were going to give him like a, what a, a dollar a gallon profit. So yeah. that's five hundred bucks for driving all the way exactly. across country. Exactly. That seems like a great deal because he's got to drive all the way across country. It seems country like a great anyway. deal for you. Well, he's got to drive. He's coming well, yeah. back. You're coming back to the Treasure Valley anyway because that's where you live, right? Yes, I live in Rupert, 
So, but uh, like I said, it, it cost me a dollar a mile, a dollar fifty a mile to drive the truck to even move the truck. Exactly. So, you know, I'm thirty three hundred dollars just to get it there to you. But now, now keep in mind, it's, it's, I'm it's, not saying make a special trip. I'm just saying when you come back, you're well, headed back. It now. still costs you the same amount to drive, but whether see, it's special it, or not special. Right, but he's he's got to come back anyway, so he's going to be paying that price whether he's going to haul gas for us or not. So this is a way for him to. Yeah, but the, cut some of the, that the, the physics the physics of an empty truck are a little different than the physics of a full one. It's only, yeah, it's only that, 500 that gallons. 500 dollars, <laughs> that extra $500 wouldn't even pay for a fill-up for one day on my truck. <laughs> how, much, how much diesel does a, does a truck hold? I mean, how many gallons can you get in there well, for one day? It all depends on how hard I run, how fast I run, and uh, how many miles. Yesterday, I put in $900 even. Ouch. That was just yesterday. The day before that, I believe I was 8.20. And, uh, again, different cities, different states. It all varies. Uh, crossing the Florida-Georgia line, diesel was 5.84. Wow. That's... And that was right at the line. Now I'm up in Pooler, which is an hour and a half north of the Florida-Georgia line. Interesting. Okay. So it, it, it changes every city and every state I go to. Thanks for uh, giving us this update. Appreciate it. Um, thanks for thinking I could make a, a little profit on my gas. But <laughs> hey, we'll just we'll just uh, we'll just say we appreciate you listening and thanks uh, for listening while you're on the road, Bobby. Talk to you again soon. Yeah. <laughs> um, man, three eighty a gallon. I didn't mean to stick a pin in every one of your balloons. I right? know you just kind of. Uh, I I was thinking things were going to look uh, better today, but you just kind of blew that up. For mm-hmm. And then, of course, he meant Florida Georgia line a couple of times, and I keep thinking, singing their songs in yeah. my head now. Uh, talking about immigration, this is kind of interesting. Holy, holy, okay. <laughs> this is kind of in- interesting um, as we talk about illegals and as the professor at Northwest Nazarene uh, talking about increasing legal immigration and, mm-hmm. and making it easier to get more Americans uh, or more illegals into America. Um, Thousands of Americans are fleeing America to Mexico, mostly from California amid the soaring cost of living in the Golden States. Americans are taking advantage of working from home and reaping the benefits of U.S. salaries while living off Mexico's cheaper lifestyles. Um, this comes as a, amid a wider exodus of Californians. We've seen it here in Idaho. A lot of Californians coming because it's cheaper to live here. It's even, if you think it, it's gotten more expensive to live here in Idaho, but it is super cheap to move from, say, San Diego or Los Angeles, as Travis Grossi did, a uh, person who had written or who had they used for this article. He's a content creator, moved to Mexico in 2020. Uh, he paid $1,600 a month for a one-bedroom small apartment in Hollywood. While in Mexico, his rent went to $850 a month for two bedrooms, three baths, a shared pool, and 24-hour-a-day security. Well, that is better, isn't it? <laughs> how's, Month- the, uh, how's the tap water? Okay? <laughs> Monthly rent in Mexico can average as little as $430 per month, while rents average as high as $1,500 north of the border in San Diego. So more and more people especially people that like our you know the content contributor can work from home and live there are living in Mexico still enjoying there are a lot of people that travel that lived close to the border like in San Diego traveled to Mexico to work I have uh, an aunt and uncle that live in El Centro 
California, which is right across the border from Mexico, a large town in Mexico. I think there's over a million million in population. And she said that there are thousands of people who travel from El Central every day to go to work in factories in Mexico. Yeah, that's true. I uh, went uh, all the way through school with a gal who lives in El Paso. And well, actually, she no, she works in El Paso. She actually lives in Juarez because she's married to a man who can't come to El Paso. Mm. He has to work in Juarez, right? And but she then travels back and forth every yeah. day to go to work, and there's no problem. It's interesting that you know Mexico doesn't have a problem with Americans coming and working and taking jobs in Mexico, but it seems like we have a big, huge problem with that here in America. Well, you know, in Mexico, it's like, hey, welcome. Did you bring money? Yeah. You did? That, okay, good. Exactly. Welcome again. Um, it, it's surprising. And, and like I said, she lives in El Centro. And they, it, it's weird because most of the people that live in El Centro, she said, also go into Mexico for health care. Interesting. That I found absolutely fascinating. And I said, they don't have a problem. It's like, well, number one, you know, like knee surgery. If you're going to go in for knee surgery in Mexico, um, it's like one eighth the cost of what you would pay here in America. And I said, they're not worried about the, you know, facilities. It's like the facilities are just as good really as they are in America. And the doctors, most of the doctors are trained in a, in America. Um, you know, so they're, they're getting their degrees from American universities. Not all of them, of course. Um, but they're as well trained. It's just that they have, you know, less bureaucracy in Mexico that, you know, has to be paid for that adds on to the cost of things. We already know that uh, I'm sure you have friends that when they go to Mexico, pick up pharmaceuticals, you know, legally. I'm talking legally um, because it's so much cheaper to get I, I know prescriptions they, in Mexico. I know they come back with tequila. I I don't think you need a actual prescription for that either. No, I'm pretty sure you don't. But, you know, I, I think tequila they come, cures, they come cures back everything. With the, they come back with the real smooth kind in the big blue bottles. <laughs> Um, two dogs writes in if that is his or her real name, uh, Chris, Mike regarding not being able to correct workers for fear of running them off. It's apparent in the quality of work in many areas. Mm. Hopefully people like Mike's contractor can adopt constructive. See what I did there. Methods of communicating that even the thin skinned can handle. Uh, one thing that will correct the wag to dog attitude is a recession. Well, you're not wrong there. If I mean, depending on what this recession, if it's a mild recession, you're probably not going to see a massive amount of job, uh, job losses. But if it is a prolonged and difficult recession, especially if it's a worldwide recession, almost every recession sees a certain amount of job loss happening. And if it's a long, drawn-out recession like we had in 2008, Remember how many people lost their job in 2009, 2010, 2011? Mm-hmm. A lot of people lost their jobs. Have you ever had a job where you got yelled at all the time, just routinely? Yes. And, and, yes. and, I, and I mean by your supervisors. Yes. Not, well, the, not my, just by people who call up. My, my supervisor uh, at the time was my dad. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> then then you know. Yes, I do. I do. I, however, I wasn't allowed to quit. <laughs> that was the guy that says, you can't rattle me. I used to hold the light for my dad. Well, he would never mind. No, but that, you, you, you know, 
over we, here. We joke. Shut it on. We, we joke about it, but it's it's somewhat true. Well, yeah, because of what I was used to growing up working for my stepdad. It, it's like nobody, no no boss I have ever had was anywhere close to as bad as my stepdad. <laughs> so I, you know, it's not something that is a big deal to me. But especially in this day well, and age, tell us this, more, Cinderella. In this woke day and age, you know. Kids don't grow up like that anymore. Um, you know, that, that you're, you're coddled a lot more than like you and I, well, you were coddled because you even say your parents said you never were in trouble, which I still find well, that was really more, hard to believe. That was more my fault than it was theirs. I think more, if, if you didn't have your sister, <laughs> who you said was always in no, trouble. No, I mean, first of all, I wasn't born a moron, so that helped. Well, that, yeah, that probably okay. helped too. Um, but I mean, it you know, just for context, I think that you can't get away with as as an employer or as a boss today as much as you could get away with. Well, apparently 30, not. Thirty because years ago, if, when apparently not, because when they yell at the new employees, they just leave and go do something mm-hmm. else. Or if uh, depending on what they yell, they end up getting sued and well, yeah. you know have to pay a lot of money. So we'll take a break. We've got one more segment on the way. Final chance to get through two zero eight three three six thirty seven hundred pound six seventy in Verizon Wireless. Drive home live and local with Nate Shellman this afternoon at three. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris live and local on News Talk KBOI. It's nine fifty. Uh, what we're talking about immigration. Here um, recently, the Biden administration has a new plan on what to do with uh, busing illegals once they enter in in the uh, country, awaiting them and their uh, trial to figure out if they can uh, actually have asylum into the country. Take a listen. This is from NBC News. Tonight, we're with the U.S. Border Patrol near El Paso, where agents tell us migrant crossings are nonstop. They find this group of men from Brazil and Mexico. Here along the border between Juarez and New Mexico, border agents say they're already seeing numbers of migrants crossing that's expected to surpass last year's record high. What that means is the need to quickly process and move migrants out of this area is more critical than ever. Last month, there were over 234,000 illegal border crossings, the highest monthly total ever recorded. Even with the COVID border restriction known as Title 42 still in place, the majority of those migrants were released into the U.S. The number's so high, agents are doing what they call street releases in El Paso. As we had reached capacity here, we were over 3,500 when we took them to the bus station. Tonight, the Biden administration is considering another controversial change. According to internal documents obtained by NBC News, DHS is planning to use federal funds to bus migrants to shelters in cities far from the border, beginning with Los Angeles and later Albuquerque, Dallas, Houston and others soon. A senior DHS official says it's a contingency plan to alleviate overcrowding. It is a crisis. El Paso County Judge Ricardo Samaniejo is critical of the Biden administration's border policies, worrying about what happens when Title 42 is lifted. You have more coming across. We don't have the volunteers. The flights are not going the way they should. We'll have the perfect storm. At the Annunciation House shelter in El Paso, we met Jimena, who didn't want to show her face, telling us she and her son fled Colombia and were even kidnapped. It was worth the risk, she said. 
DHS officials are expecting their new proposal to bus migrants across America will be met with pushback, especially from Republican-led states. Lester? So there you go. Um, this is going to be happening over the next couple of months instead of it leaving them. And I, I guess it's it's not fair to leave you know all the illegals that are coming into the country uh, awaiting their trial that could take years to just live in those border towns. But... You know, why aren't we sending them back across the border to await? Why are we sending them, you know, places? Once again, these are illegals. These are not legals that are coming in to work with work visas or they uh, already have uh, asylum figured out. They're going to be awaiting their trials to figure out if they can stay in the United States, which could take years, in some cases, maybe even decades. So they're going to be sent further inland um, across the border from where they are coming across as of right now. Jan writes, good morning, and how much did the government borrow from the SS fund? Was it ever paid back? Yes, I know numbers can be juggled, but just wondering. Uh, it's probably insolvent, but you know the government always seems to find the money somewhere, or they just simply go further and further into debt. Right. I mean, what's it cost to print up more, you know, a few trillion here, a few trillion yeah. there? I'll take care of you, but not them. Um, Art writes in, uh, Mike at KBOI.com says, uh, your professor from NNU didn't address the criminal element element coming across our border, the drugs, the human suffering, and the people that don't come here legally. Um, Crab, this is according to the Crab article in the Idaho Statesman, it was marvelous, he said. Um, no, he didn't, and I, I, maybe I wish I would have asked that question. But once again, I want to be... You know, very specific here, uh, the professor is for more legal immigration, more work visas. He is not saying that we should have more illegal immigrants allowed in this country. That That's not what he was saying. Um, you know, so I don't want to, you know, conflate the two um, and, and get you mixed up in case you didn't hear the interview yeah. with us this morning. And by the way, the article is uh, from earlier this week. I think Tuesday it came out in the Idaho Statesman, if you want to check that out. Bruce says, uh, good morning, men. I have brought this up before, how onerous the legal immigration process is. First, you have to prove to Homeland Security, USCIS, that you are worthy to even apply for a fiancé visa to come to the U.S. as an immigrant. That took 13 months. Then you have to prove to the State Department you are still worthy. It took just over another year to be notified that it is time to start the process. It is just crazy while illegals literally pour over the border. Uh, by the way, the proofs that the State Department needs, USCIS already has, but it is too easy and logical for the right hand to give the left hand the okay for the immigrant to come. That's about all the time we have for today. Thanks for participating in the show. Once again, Nate Shellman is a couple of days off, so filling in will be Brian Wiley both today and tomorrow. Uh, we'll be back again after a 20-hour break tomorrow morning for Open phones friday we'll talk about anything you want to talk about plus we'll give you that final chance of that 50 dollars gift certificate to biscuit and hogs